Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Uh, Congratulations to everyone out there. It's November 12th, which means that many of you have submitted early applications at this point, which is very exciting. So congrats to you all. If you are listening and saying, well, wait a minute, I haven't even started anything yet. Well, you're in luck because we have you covered today. And in one of our segments, we're going to be talking about some suggestions for seniors who are just starting the college process right now. Um, And my early uh, verdict here is it is definitely not too late, plenty of time to get to work on this stuff. We're also going to be talking you through the Tufts and Harvard supplements. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, many of you were hearing a lot from students that maybe they're not as excited with their first choice school, the school that they enrolled in. Um, It has definitely been a rough semester. Maybe it's been a rough year and a half for you and you're thinking about transferring. And for those students, we wanted to talk to you about preparing for that process. Uh, And one key component, of course, is how you're gonna pay for it all. And so I'm excited to welcome my colleague, Tara Piantanita Kelly, who is a former financial aid officer at Rochester Institute of Technology, Menlo College, um, Holy Names University, among a few others. Tara, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So we're talking about transferring. And um, based on what you've shared, there are sort of three main areas that we want to encourage students to think about and consider as they get prepared to transfer. And the first one is related to financial aid. So what should students be doing now related to financial aid and transferring? Well, you know, when you apply for financial aid on the FAFSA, it asks which schools do you want to send this information to? And if you're already enrolled in a school, you're just sending it to that one school. Uh, But if you're looking at transferring to another school, then you're going to have to put that that school on your FAFSA as well. And timing might be a little bit of an issue if you, especially if you transfer mid-year, you you did the fall term maybe at uh, your old school and you're planning to do the new year, you know, the spring term at your new school, you're going to have to go into the FAFSA that you did, what, eight, nine, 10 months ago, a year ago, and update that FAFSA, put your new school on that FAFSA so that you can get your financial aid at your new school come spring. So uh, if you're doing, if you're transferring at the end of a year, end of a school year, then, you know, it might be a little bit easier. You'll just do, when you start your FAFSA, you'll say, this is my new school. That's the only one I need to send it to. But if you're doing a a mid-year transfer, like my daughter did, it can be kind of a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. And she had you and you knew what you were doing. So for sure, um, you got to pay attention to the, to the fine print. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of moving parts there. (laughs) So what about, there are some other uh, things related to this. What about things like loans, Pell, um, stuff like that? So, um, you know, as you might know, you have an annual federal loan limit that you can't exceed. So um, let's say you, uh, your old school was a quarter school and you went there for the first two quarters of the year and you borrowed essentially two thirds of your annual loan limit. And then you transfer to a school that is now on a semester program. And, and, you know, you can only have the remainder of what you didn't borrow at your other school for the remainder of that year. So that gets kind of, again, it gets kind of hairy and sticky because, you know, maybe your old school is expecting you to stay and, you know, they're expecting your third and final disbursement for the year to come in, but you're not going to be there to get it. So you're going to need to cancel that disbursement so that when you, and then go through the whole financial aid process at your new school, mm. just so that you can get the remainder, I mean, of that, uh, the annual, annual federal loan limit. So it's, it's not impossible, but it's, it can be tricky. So, you know, just pay attention to the details. You're going to have to coordinate between both financial aid offices. Yeah. And anything else related to financial aid, things that students need to consider? Um, well, there's, you know, lifetime loan, lifetime limits on your Pell. So if you're a Pell student and you continue to transfer, for from one school to another, you're 
you could possibly run out of pelt. So just just be careful. There's nothing wrong with transferring, um, but uh, when it comes to, to financial aid, uh, don't make a habit out of it. <laughs> you yeah. know, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with it. Go ahead. Just don't make it a continual thing. I'm now going to come here. Now I'm going to transfer here. Now I'm going to go there. So um, also, you know, whenever you transfer, uh, your one school is going to have to transfer your transcripts to another school, and the other school isn't going to do anything until they get your transcripts, and your old school isn't going to send your transcripts until you have, you know, you don't have a balance, until you've paid your, your balance if you have one. So there's just, there's a lot of things, a lot of things to consider when you transfer. Right. The schools don't really make it possible for you to rack up a heavy bill that you then leave unpaid while you um, head off to a different school. You got to pay your bill Very true. before it's not like a credit card. You can't rack up a huge balance on one card and then just get a new card. Um, you need to pay one off before you can start the other. Very, very true. <laughs> and then there was one other thing about a federal loan. So if you're, you're receiving federal loans, um, there's one other wrinkle that you're going to need to consider um, around servicers. So uh, when you borrow a federal student loan, um, as soon as the loan is dispersed, you have a federal loan servicer that's assigned to your loan. And there's a handful of federal servicers out there. If you borrow a federal student loan at your first school and then you transfer it to another school and you borrow a new federal student loan at that school, it's possible that you might be assigned two different federal loan servicers. It's not the end of the world, um, but it can be a little more confusing because when you graduate, now you're making a minimum monthly payment to one federal loan servicer and another minimum monthly payment to another one. And in order to get those together, you might have to do a federal consolidation loan. And there might be some reasons why you wouldn't want to do that. So anyway, um, it it just adds a layer of complexity when you uh, when you transfer. Yeah. And just makes it just means that you really do have to pay really you always have to pay close attention, but you have to pay extra close attention. Right. With this, the way it is. Very, very true. Yes, absolutely. So at the beginning of the session, I said we there were three primary considerations, but now I'm I'm realizing that really it's financial aid and with the special considerations for mid-year transfers, which we've just talked through. So if you're going to transfer regularly, you know, you're going to do it at the end of the school year with a new start, then it's really just two main areas you need to worry about, the financial aid piece and the cost consideration. Um, the third is if you're doing it mid-year, just for everyone listening and saying, wait a second, they only talked about two things, not three. Um, all right. So the second big thing is cost. Um, so talk to us about that, because one of the challenges of transferring has often been that you might get a much better financial package when you enter as a freshman versus when you apply as a transfer. And so is that still going on? It's very common at a lot of schools, not every school, but uh, at a lot of schools. So any school that you're considering transferring to, just to check to see what kind of transfer scholarship opportunities they have. Um, because, I, you know, I'd hate for you to uh, leave a, a good incoming merit scholarship at one school thinking that you'll get something similar at a new school as a transfer student. And you might not just because transfer scholarships at some schools are not as good as the incoming scholarships. So check that out before you commit to transferring for sure. Right. You know, one other obviously thing is around um, is everything is are all your credits going to transfer. Right. So what's the potential financial impact there if they don't? Oh, my gosh. It's it's huge. So um, imagine that, uh, you know, you've gone to one school for, let's say, three semesters, maybe four semesters. You've racked up maybe. 60 credits, right? And you think, okay, well, now I'm going to transfer to a different school, maybe to complete my four-year degree. And, you know, I'll start as a junior because I already completed my first two um, years and I have 60 credits. And you transfer into that school or as you're preparing to transfer in, you found out that, oh, no, they're only going to take, you know, 36 of your 60 credits. And essentially, you're going to be back to a first semester sophomore. So not all schools are going to take every other school's credits. So you need to be really careful about that. Um, And also there are some programs, if you're not familiar with it called, sometimes they're called two plus two programs, Mm -hmm. but it's where schools have like an articulation agreement Mm -hmm. saying, if you do the first two years at this perhaps community college and you get, you take all of these classes and you get these grades, then you can transfer into our school as a junior. We will take all of your credits as long as they're, you know, C or above or whatever. And you essentially don't miss a beat. You can graduate and, you know, 
two years here, two years here. Um, but make, if, if you're looking at doing something like that, make sure that there is that articulation agreement between those two schools so that you don't lose out on credits. So, you know, if you don't, then you might be starting over as a, you might have two years as a sophomore. And that means instead of graduating with your four-year degree in four years, you're going to graduate with your four-year degree in five years. And that fifth year is not free. No. So <laughs> be very careful about that. Yeah, it's not free. And not only that, there are, um, there are schools. So if you are late in deciding that you want to transfer, the, the typical time to transfer would be the end of your freshman year, the end of your sophomore year. Anyone who makes the decision after that, you're almost definitely going to have to spend more time at the school you transfer into because they're going to require that you take a certain number of credits at that school in order to earn the diploma with that school's name on it, right? Otherwise, I mean, it's not, this is not easy to do for many reasons, but uh, otherwise maybe people would do a lot more of that. Well, I'm going to do three years at this less expensive school or this school where they gave me a lot of scholarship money. And then I'm going to transfer into this much more selective private school where I'm going to pay full rate, but I'm only going to, I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to have that on my trans. And that's what my diploma is going to say. Right. The highly selective school or the, the school, whatever school this is that you're envisioning doing this is going to say, hold up, you need to do at least two years here in order for our name to be on that, um, that degree. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're not going to want to give away their degree for just one year of tuition payments. Yeah, right. Exactly. It costs more than that. As we all know by now, for better or worse, it costs more than that. Um, I, I think the other thing that I would say is this is a really popular time, um, fall break, Thanksgiving break for students to come home. Maybe you are still at home. Um, maybe you were not able to come home for fall break, but you are coming home for Thanksgiving. Um, and to say, I'm really unhappy. I want to transfer. Um, my advice from an admissions perspective and, and from a finance perspective, as you just heard some of the challenges with that, and if finances are a concern for you, important to take into consideration, is that you sit on it for a little bit longer. Certainly some students are in a very bad situation. Um, they may be suffering from depression. They haven't made friends. Things just really are not, not just I'm not enjoying it, but actually really significantly bad. That is different from what I'm talking about. I would say that in a given year, my colleagues and I see a healthy percentage of students who come back, college was not what they thought it was going to be. It wasn't the immediate, oh my goodness, this is amazing that they thought it was going to be. And they're reaching out, I might want to transfer. And what we do try to encourage, unless it's one of those serious situations that I just mentioned, is at least do the full semester and, and give it a chance and, and apply in the second semester to transfer. And I would say the majority of students when it comes time to finally get around to filling out those transfer applications, have finally found their niche and are feeling much more comfortable and do end up staying. So I guess don't make a knee-jerk decision here is what I'm trying to say. Um, and you had a daughter who transferred. So I'm just curious if you had any last thoughts um, from your experience, from your daughter's experience before we sure. wrap this segment yeah. up. Absolutely. So um, when we were looking at schools for my daughter, she, she wanted to, you know, she had it exactly in mind what she wanted to go to, you know, small private liberal arts college out in the country. And, you know, I'm like, get the big scholarship and you can go. And she did. And she, I mean, she did the overnight thing. We did everything that you're supposed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And she gets there the second weekend. She calls me. She's like, I hate it here. I want to transfer <laughs> second weekend and yeah. something to do with the boyfriend. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I said, okay, well, we did all of these steps to, to get you into the school that you thought you wanted, but um, I'm not going to do anything to facil facilitate your transfer. I'll let you transfer, but I have veto power over the schools that you transfer to mm -hmm. because of those transfer scholarships. And, and she did. She took the bull by the horn. She transferred after her first semester. She completed her first So she applied to a school that had accepted her already. Mm -hmm. And they said, as long as your first semester grades are good, we'll allow you to come in the spring term. She did. And she uh, was able to transfer her what 18 credits that she had taken for the fall. She, and she was able to um, add a second major and she graduated on time. So it can be done, but you have to be very diligent and it doesn't hurt to have a mother who's a 
college financial aid expert. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's true though, and and good point. But I also love that you said I supported you through this process, and now if this is really something you want, then you you take care of it, and I will if if it's feasible financially, then I will support it. Um, I think that's a really good way to go about it. Again, we're not talking about a situation where she was suffering from debilitating depression, where she, you know, needed to leave the school. This was a little bit of a different situation, but I think it clearly showed that she was serious because yeah. she took every all the steps she needed to, while also paying attention to school. So you weren't losing money on that semester because that's the worst thing that can happen. Um, and uh, just from what I have seen, students do is when they do so poorly in that first semester that now options that would have been on the table are no longer on the table. And so kudos to your daughter for sort of saying, okay, I'm not happy here, but I'm going to, I'm going to put the work in that I can. Tara, thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. As always, take care. All right. Um, When we come back, we are going to be talking about the supplements for Harvard and Tufts. So don't go away. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are in our second segment today talking about uh, supplements that many of you may be about to write. Maybe you're already started on them, um, but we're talking about the segments uh, excuse me, the supplemental essays for Harvard and Tufts. And joining me for that is Jen Simons, who is my colleague here at College Coach, but also happens to be a former uh, admissions officer at Tufts, in addition to Barnard, Connecticut College, and Northeastern. So she's got lots of uh, perspective and experience. Hi, Jen. Hi, Beth. So good to see you. Good to see you as well. All right, we have a lot to cover in the time we have. So we're going to hop right in and we'll start with Tufts. Um, So Tufts requires two supplemental essays. Um, So why don't we go through the one, there's one that is required of everyone and the other is you have a choice. So the first question is, um, what aspects of the Tufts undergraduate experience prompt your application? In short, why Tufts? Which I very much appreciate that they basically sum it up for you. The key here is it's 100 to 150 words which can be tricky. So what's your advice on this one? Yeah, so my my first advice, even before we delve into the question itself, is to really, especially with Tufts, I'm a little bit biased because I've seen how these questions have evolved firsthand. I want you to look at all of the questions that Tufts is asking you. And I also want you, before you start to answer them, say, what is Tufts trying to tell me about Tufts? So when you're looking, I mean, the why Tufts, everyone or many schools have a why us, but really, I want you to look at all the questions in concert and say to yourself, what does Tufts want me to know about the the culture there? Right away, right off the bat, you see that they're sort of slightly conversational. It's not a formal place. Like, like you just said, why Tufts? Mm -hmm. And I really like that. It's telling me right off the bat that they don't want a very long answer. Duh, you have a hundred words to answer it. And that's actually more difficult, I think, than writing a long answer. Um, And they also don't focus on the academics or the, you know, any part of the Tufts experience in particular. That is up to you. So with every 
why us answer. I want you to sort of make the connection very specifically between what you have to offer and what they have to offer. And it's not easy to do. It's going to be a sentence or two, but really it's about um, saying, this is why I would be a good fit for you. And really more importantly, in this particular case, this is why you are a good fit for me. Right. When I'm working with students on this, I, I really encourage them to be less all over the place and try to cram a million things in and more, you know, maybe one or two, a hundred to 150 words. There's not a lot of room there, right? So one or two things, but I do want them to be specific. So not just, if it's something where I could put my thumb, it's the the thumb test we talk about all the time. If I could remove Tuff's name, and this could be about literally any school, which I have seen them that could literally be about any school, you have not done a good job with this one. You do have to be specific about, right, a program or something like that. Absolutely. I will actually go in the other direction now because I think the good news is that students have been listening to us. Mm -hmm. And so they know that they're going to, you know, they're going to be specific. The, The bad part of this is I don't want you going on to the website and finding the most obscure program that might not even be in existence anymore because some graduate school hasn't taken it off their website. So I want you to be specific, but the, it's not about impressing them with how much sort of random you know stuff you know about the institution. So don't go overboard yes, either. Agreed. You know? Yeah, it has to feel authentic. We talk about that right. too. All right. Of course. We don't have a ton of time. So let's delve in right. because in the next um, supplement, they give you three choices. But per your advice, let's read the actual question that they say. Think outside the box as you answer the following questions. Take a risk and go somewhere unexpected. Be serious if the moment calls for it, but feel comfortable being playful if that suits you too. Pick one of the following options. So you choose one. This is a little longer. It's 200 to 250 words. So let's go through each of the options one by one. Option A, it's cool to love learning. What excites your intellectual curiosity? Okay. So that's where you're getting into the very specifics. Not about tops. This does not have to be about tops. If it can be, okay. But really, what we, we had a question back in the olden days. I'm not making this up. A tough question. What makes you tick? And it wasn't a successful question because I think a lot of students didn't recognize that expression. Like they didn't know what it meant. What so we got mean? a lot of answers about clocks and we got a lot of answers about bugs and things like that. So, so this is really about the life of the mind. It's You could have other passions. You could love lacrosse. You could love knitting, whatever it is. But this is about how you are going to take what you love academically and bring it toward, you know, this this uh, community in Medford. Yeah, absolutely. Is that, is that, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I love that one. And I think the, I think you've described it well. It's really just it's showing that life of the mind, like you said. And I often talk about that intellectual spark and not everybody has it. Um, and it's hard to describe what it is. And, but when it comes across in an application, it's a great thing to see. Um, and this is an, a question, in my opinion, that allows students to show it if they have it. If And, and really, we all have intellectual curiosity. So, um, but if you sort of look at that and think, deer in the headlights, I have no idea what I would write, then let's move on. And why don't we do that? Option B, how have the environments or experiences of your upbringing, your family, home, neighborhood, or community shaped the person you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Thoughts on that. So this is interesting because I think a lot of students, and this is something that we hear from students all the time is that nothing sort of dramatic has happened to me. My family is a nuclear family. It's very typical, or they think it's typical. It's probably less typical than they think it is, you know, so they don't really think that they're interesting enough. This isn't asking you to be interesting. It's asking you to explain who you are. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm reflecting. I'm sorry. I'm going back into the the files here. But there was a, a former Tufts question. Let let your life speak. Who are you? And so basically, what they want to know is simply how have your surroundings 
shaped who you are. Don't read into it. Don't think you're not exciting enough or not dramatic enough or anything like that. Um, unlike the first question about sort of what intellectually excites you, you don't need to sort of back anything up. So I will say just to go back backwards a little bit for that first question, if something, if you're really excited about Mandarin and learning Chinese, then there has to be a little bit something more to it than um, I think it's a very useful language. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, you, you have to have some experience with it. This question is just you being authentically, there's that word again, but you being you, who do you mm -hmm. live with? Who is in your community? Who is important to you? It might not be the family that you live with. It might be the family that you consider your family in another way. There's nothing to prove here. You're just sort of explaining so that they can get a glimpse into your life. Right, exactly. Share something that if we knew you really well, we would know about you is often how I, one of the, the ways I think about this too. Okay, option C. So you, again, there are three choices. This is the third, you choose one. Where are you on your journey of engaging with or fighting for social justice? This is an interesting one. It's new, I think, this year. It's new because I think, and I don't know this for a fact, I haven't spoken to anyone on Tufts admissions, but this is what they're trying to tell you is that this is important to us. Yep. So you know, if this question is not important to you, then, then don't answer it. If it is, if you are the type of student that's going to get excited by this question, you're probably going to be very happy at Tufts and, and feel like you're, you know, and whatever that means. I will say that we get this question all the time about expressing your sort of political feelings or um, maybe you're concerned that you are in the minority or the majority. I will remind you that there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I Well, I shouldn't say that. I suppose if you set a at all in social justice or equality, you shouldn't be answering the question. Like that's not, right, right. Um, you know, I, you know, the only, I mean, if you wanted to say, I have my head in books and I just, I can't stop reading Shakespeare long enough to think about what's happening in the world, then you should be answering the first question. Exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. It's not that you wouldn't fit in, but that's not your question. If this is your question, there's also no right or wrong way to answer it in terms of what your approach is to feelings about, you know, social justice, equality, things like that. It's perfectly fine to state your opinion in a way that is backed up by things that you've done, things that you want to do, and is balanced in a way that I won't read this and think, oh gosh, this person doesn't really have any tolerance for, they might have strong feelings, but oh, they don't have any tolerance for opposing points of view. So there's no, you don't have to come at this from the right or the left or, you know, in any particular way. But if this is your question, it should excite you. And this should be like, oh, I want to write about this. And right. tough to saying this is important to us. Yes. Got it. Love it. And then if you want, if you're so excited about answering that question, it's probably a good sign that Tufts is a good fit for you. All right. Definitely. Let's move on to Harvard. Um, what's interesting to me about the evolution of the Harvard supplement is that I used to travel um, when I worked at Penn with members of the Harvard admissions team. And the thing that they always shared with us was we literally mean optional when we say optional because, but we had to offer a supplement because everyone just wanted to send so much extra stuff. So make of that what you will, but if you're applying to Harvard, you don't need to do more than what they are already giving you the opportunity to do here. And, and Harvard is giving you, they have one that is required, which is a vestige of a long ago version of the Common App when you had to write an essay about extracurricular activities. Um, and the other two are optional, um, and there are two. So if you really want to send extra, you need to find a way to take advantage of these two optional and not send a bunch of other stuff. Let's go with the one that's required first. Um, please briefly elaborate on one of your extracurricular activities or work experiences. I would argue that work and extracurricular are the same thing, um, mm -hmm. but not everyone always recognizes it as that. Um, 50 to 150 words. Key thoughts on this one? I have some thoughts. Can I, before we dive in, can yes. I just sort of talk philosophically about yes, the whole Harvard course. thing? And I promise. So I, the way I think about supplemental questions is that every question is, every answer, I should say, is going to either provide a piece of the puzzle that becomes you, right? You're going to put sort of all the pieces of the puzzle together 
or it's going to reinforce something so strongly, like a theme, something, you know, so it either has to complete the picture of you or it has to be like, gosh, this kid loves soccer. Soccer Mm -hmm. is this, soccer is that, soccer is everything. And so you have to sort of think about this. What is the what is the picture of myself that I want to get across? That's really important. That's how you start with this. And what I love about the Harvard questions is that they're very simple. They're so so straightforward. Don't overthink this. They're the most basic, simple sentences. So in terms of the first question, what you to answer your question, Oh my gosh, Beth, could you please repeat? I it's the activities, it's the activities essays. Elaborate on one of your uh, extracurricular activities. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so sorry. I knew that would happen. Um, you know, I mean, it doesn't get much more straightforward than that. Yep. Do you want it to fill in a piece of the puzzle? Do you want to talk about something that, oh, this is surprising. I took up crocheting during COVID and I'm really, really into it. You're not going to know this from anywhere else in my application. Or is it that soccer, soccer, soccer? And you might see this, but I just have to tell you how passionate I am about right. that. Right. Couldn't be more straightforward. Share another facet of it. If you are deepening the image of something that you're really passionate about, it's a different facet we need to see, and uh, or it's something brand new that we don't know. Love it. Okay. There, the first optional is also 150 words max, um, and it's asking about your intellectual life, which may extend beyond the academic academic requirements of your particular school. Please use this space to list additional intellectual activities that you have not mentioned or detailed elsewhere, which could include, but are not limited to, supervised or self-directed projects not done as schoolwork, training experiences, online courses not run by your school, or summer academic or research programs not described elsewhere. Um, we So really briefly, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, they give you another they give you another question about books that you've read, things that you've done. This question is another one of those questions where you should have to answer this question because you've done something that's so important to you mm-hmm. that doesn't fit anywhere else into the application or you want to reinforce it elsewhere in the application. This is this is a Harvard question. This is something that have you gone above and beyond and yes. you really are so spectacular in something. You're known for this thing. This is not only your passion, but this is an extraordinary accomplishment. This is something you want to show off. This is really something that you're proud of and you have to share it. And chances are your teachers will be talking about it in their recommendations. You might get an extra letter from the school principal or something like that. But you know, th- this is really going to be the jewel in your crown of the application response. Yeah, absolutely. This is probably a little bit more about your distinguishing excellence than maybe you'd been able to express elsewhere. Um, And and I think that's a good way to think about it. The last optional um, option, for lack of a better word, uh, is basically to include one more essay. And this can literally be about anything that you wanted to. And they say that you may wish to include an additional essay. Um, because you don't feel you've had sufficient space to do so. This is the one where they're like, okay, fine. You want to send us something more? Here's your opportunity. Um, it could be a topic of your choice, or they give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 potential things for you to think about. We're not going to go through all 10 of them here. Final words or thoughts from you on this particular essay. I would be surprised if you use the topic of your choice because I do think they give you such a good spectrum of other questions. Again, that's where like the books come in, the unusual circumstances. This is your opportunity to sort of talk about whatever you want. I would not. The one thing, you know, I get asked by students all the time, should I tell them how much I want to go to Harvard? Nope. Nope. nope that's nope, not nope. the place for this. Not the they place know for it. This. <laughs> but that, but other than that, Beth, do you think there's anything that they shouldn't talk about? I guess I'm not really answering the question except to say anything goes here. I think anything goes there. I really do. I think it could be funny. I think it could be serious. I think it could be academic. I think it could be completely non-academic. When there is an option that says you can include a list, it can literally be a list. Um, I think the sky is the limit, which is can be a little daunting. But as you point out, they give you 10 options plus whatever. I often, I've had students who have written something really strong that might be related to another application. Um, If it's not, if we can't tell exactly the the school they were writing it for, 
then sometimes they will use something like that. Um, if you can tell who it was written for, then I think sometimes you could tweak it and make it work. But um, really, the sky is the limit here, and um, which is great, and also its own special prison, I think. <laughs> but you. Jen, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Great to see you, Beth. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks. Okay, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about opportunities for last minute uh, seniors. So, well, not last minute, late in the game seniors just getting started. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back. Thank you for sticking around for our third segment today. I'm excited to welcome my colleague, Julia Jones, who is a former admissions officer at Brandeis. Hi, Julia. Hey, Beth, how are you? I'm good, thanks. And thanks for joining. Our segment now is very important because we're talking to seniors who have not started. And before the break, I referred to them as last minute, but the reality is it is only mid-November. Right. Um, most schools have deadlines in January 1 or even later. Plenty have them even later. So even though it feels a little like, oh, my goodness, you guys are behind the eight ball because we have so many students who have already sent in applications. The actual reality is it's not so bad. Right. Is that with the, what's your Absolutely. take on that? Absolutely. I mean, part of it is, you know, time this year is sort of doesn't really have a lot of meaning for yes. us. but. But it is, it's not too late at all. And I think especially this year and the unique circumstances, I think colleges are actually pushing, some of them are pushing deadlines back too. But but even so, yeah, even in a normal year, this would not be too late at all. So, yeah, I'm yeah. agreeing with that. All right. So with that in mind, though, you are, these seniors are on a, a shortened timeline. So um, what's your advice? And, and I should share with everyone that Julia oversees our college list creation here at College Coach. So she is right, particularly well positioned to answer this one. But what if they don't even have a list yet? What advice do you have about, about that? Aside from going back and listening to segments where we've talked about how to put a list together, how do you do it quickly? Right. Well, yeah. And I think it is, well, it's not too late. You do, you can't, you know, take your time. You have to really, you know, be, be efficient. And, and, um, and I think you can use a lot of different tools that are out there. So, so I think you have to really at some point be aware, okay, what am I looking for? What are the criteria? And then just dive in. Um, and in some ways, again, this year, being able to do virtual tours and, and do research online um, will help you not wasting time traveling or planning trips to visit colleges, which isn't possible. So, yes. so again, it's, it's being able to, you know, use your guidance counsel counselor and, and your high school resources to determine what schools um, are going to be possible. Um, and uh, and then also, you know, research online and really start to not just looking at what, you know, what schools um, are going to be good fits, but then also at the same time, you can be researching what are their deadlines? What are the things that you're going to need to do um, to, to actually apply? So it's kind right. of doing a little bit of combination research. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think paying attention to those deadlines is going to be key. So if the vast majority of students will have already submitted their applications um, before you've even gotten your application package ready. Maybe that's not a school for you. Although to your point this year, a lot of schools have pushed um, deadlines. So that is something to consider. All right. Advice for these students as they're filling out their applications. Um, anything particular to think about there? 
Well, I mean, I think really making sure, again, that you're filling out all of the, the application materials, looking for those sort of sort of essay questions or, or additional requirements yes, yes. to um, what I've seen as a trend is that a lot of there are sometimes those hidden essays or hidden requirements that you don't know until you fill out certain sections of an application. So so really going through and kind of doing a sweep as you're filling it out to make sure and and what, what do you need to do? What do you need to write? Is it just the one essay? Are there multiples if you're applying? as an art student or, or something where you're sending extra things, what are the requirements for portfolios and the like? So, right. yeah, yeah. And actually this speaks to um, something that I was going to talk about later, but it, it feels very natural to fit it in here, which is the importance of organization if you are starting in mid-November, right? So what's some advice as you're doing those sweeps? What tips do you have for students about getting organized to do this process? Yeah, and I think this is the case whether wh- whatever you're starting, but yes. always you know when you have your list, then it's about so you know where you're applying. Now you got to figure out how and you know um, what are the deadlines and what are the essays that you have to write. And so really putting together like a spreadsheet or a tr- some kind of a tracking document, but a spreadsheet makes the most sense. You know, school. What application platform? What What are the essays? What are the deadlines? What are the other requirements? And you can pull that pretty easily from you know from the applications or the school websites. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's really about looking at okay, how many essays do I actually have to write? Can I use one essay for more yes. than one school? Like all of those little pieces that if you keep it in one document, it's your roadmap. It's your it's the way to to avoid all those little surprises happening and and things slipping through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. Because when you are doing things on the fly a little bit, that's the danger more than anything. You have the time to get this done. You don't have the time to miss things because you're a little bit up against it. Whereas if you thought you were done with something back in August and then you were able or in September and then you go back to your list, you have to, oh, I forgot to do this. Okay, great. Now I'll worry about this. Or you might miss a financial aid deadline back in September, but then you're rechecking everything. And now you're like, Oh, can't forget that. Got to get that in there because the deadline has not yet passed. The yeah. longer you wait, the, the more a ch- it is that there is a chance that you might miss something like this. I think the other advice that I would share a re- related to getting organized is you need to organize your time, right? So we have breaks that are coming up. You have weekends every week. <laughs> there are two days where <laughs> You maybe stay in your house again, but um, instead of having to be on Zoom for school, you are just sitting around. And while it's very tempting to just lay around, you need to make the most of your weekends. You need to make the most of Thanksgiving break. You're going to need to make the most of your holiday break. And if you don't make the most of that time, it's going to be tougher to get this done in, uh, in a timely way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, having even the, the way that school is set up now for many students, if you are, you know, doing more remote learning, um, you may have more time, you know, to do to do that work, but you still have to plan it. You can't just, you know, you can't just wing it and hope that that it's all going to happen the night or the week before, because that's that's really not going to be the best the best scenario at all. Yeah, no. And, and I would even consider build it in like it's homework that you yeah. have, because I think your point is a good one. You may not have as much homework as that you would have normally had. You may not be going to sports after school. You probably aren't. Some of you are. But um, so all of that time that would have been taken up by sports, maybe you've filled it with something else, but is it really as time consuming? Can you build this in? If you are literally just putting your list together right now, can you do an information session a day or a tour a day? You can. You could never normally do that. Um, if you had, But you could do a tour in California and one in Massachusetts same day, maybe even, right? So um, you got to maximize your time if you're going to get this done and do it well. Um, It also bodes well to, you know, when you talk about putting a list together, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we give this advice all the time of like, okay, you know, just because you can apply technically to 15, 20 colleges, you shouldn't. And this is even, you know, be realistic about how much time it's going to spend. And and so if you're looking at, at the more schools you add, the more time it's going to take you. And you just may not have the time to really do justice to as many schools. So it's really paying attention to that. Yes. And actually that brings uh, me to the, what I consider the thing that takes the most time and that is essays. And you already mentioned a great point about collect all the essay information in one place and figure out how many do I actually need to write or is there overlap, right? What other Mm -hmm. advice do you have for students who have not even started writing any of their essays yet? 
Well, I think the you know starting obviously with the, the you know maximizing your your work here. So if you're you know working on the common application or essays that you're likely going to be using across the board for most schools, start there. You know, and, and really, and then and then work you know work out from there too, and really making sure that you're answering each question that you're also um, you know answering each question in a unique way too, mm-hmm. so that you're not. And that's why sometimes knowing what you have to write will help you, so that if you want to write your essay about why um, you know. You're you're passionate about business, um, but if you are going to have to answer that question on a supplemental essay, you may not want to do that because then you're going to have to, you know, kind of find find a way to make each each one unique. So it is really having a plan. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you've written your main essay, I think that's a great example. Um, then for that school, you're going to have to yeah. take from your main essay and probably write a brand new main essay. And one goal I would have if you're starting a little bit later is. Do not put yourself in a situation where you're going to have to write more than one primary essay, if you could possibly avoid it. Um, and then what about your, um, what about test scores? So many students don't necessarily have them this year and many colleges are not requiring them. But if you do have them, what, what do you need to think about in relation to making sure you get those sent out if you're using them? Right. Well, I think you have to you have to figure out again what how long it really building into the schedule the fact that it can take anywhere from two or more weeks to yes. to get those scores back. Um, you know, we just and there's so much uncertainty even with that sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So, um, deciding whether or not you're going to send them if you have them, obviously that's uh, you know that's a that's a big part of it too, and that that can be part of your spreadsheet, your organizational tool. Yes. Um, but uh, and then also you know really getting a sense from colleges. Um, how late is too late? You know, your scores may come back after the deadline. And in many cases, that's okay mm-hmm. this year. But, but you know, so most schools are, are have been very open about saying, okay, yeah, we, we absolutely have to have them by this date. And, and some of them will even give you suggestions on, hey, we don't necessarily need them officially right away. You can self-report. You can, mm-hmm. you know, send us a screenshot with your test results if they come in super late. So I think it's just knowing how, you know, knowing what colleges are going to do and, and just and building that into your, your plan. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that building it into the plan is really important um, because even just right, the colleges getting the scores can take some time. It shouldn't. It's a, an electronic transfer, but the way yeah. some admissions offices are set up, it, it doesn't always go. The timing doesn't always happen as quickly. And so you want to build that into um, into your thought process. Um, lastly, but definitely not least importantly, um, arguably most importantly, is to be looping in your teachers and counselors, right? So what are some important things that they need to be aware of um, as you are working on these applications at this point? Right. Well, first of all, I mean, if you have an app, you need to be asking your teachers for recommendations. One would assume and hope that you have and that you've met with your guidance counselor and started that process. Uh, If not, ASAP. Got to do that. But but I think at the same time, then you have to kind of know what the procedure is, what your counselor, uh, what what that protocol is. But really, most importantly, they need to know your list in whatever way they they want you to tell them. They need to know your deadlines, what schools you're Mm -hmm. applying and when, um, so that they are able to to get their piece of the of the application to the colleges at around the same time. So um, and some some counselors and some teachers have guidelines. They might want a couple of weeks notice. So, so again, the sooner you have your list and you know where and all of the, you know, the ins and outs, you, you want to kind of loop them in and keep them, um, you know, give them as much notice as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as much thanks as you can, you've waited a little bit and that's your personal reality. Your counselor has been working with students all fall And so if you come in at the very last minute and you haven't been paying attention to the deadlines that the counseling staff has set for all these pieces to be completed, they may not be as um, excited about it or or take on the same sense. They're going to do their absolute. One thing I know about all the counselors in this country and everywhere is that they're there to help you through this process. And so while you may feel like they're not making it as much of a priority as you would like them to, I think it's really important for you to recognize that they have a lot of students who they are serving. And so if you just kind of come in and you haven't been paying attention to their deadlines, um, that's not ideal. So understand, right, what your school is looking for. Um, Absolutely. Any final thoughts for our seniors who are just kind of getting going in this process? 
Yeah. Well, I think I, I would just say, you know, take the time that you need. You know, you don't have to also scramble and rush and worry. Oh, my gosh, I have, you know, I find that some students are doing that too. really, you know, pay attention to the, and, and just have a schedule and be organized. I think that's probably yes. at this point, one of the most important things that you can do um, at any time in the process. But especially when you're when you're starting, perhaps, you know, in the middle of the fall like this, I think it's it's organization is is the key to to having this done. And so that you can do it with as minimal stress as possible. It's you're going to have stress, but, but I think yes. the more organized you are, the better it'll be. Absolutely. Julia, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you to all my guests. Next week, I'm back um, and we're talking supplemental essays for Notre Dame and we are answering your questions. Send them to us via Facebook, Instagram, or gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Again, gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. And don't forget, we are here every Thursday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one -on -one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more.